On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, I'm Simon Le Bon, and you are listening to The Pantheon Network. Hey, I'm Nick DiMatteo, and welcome to Season 6, Episode 4 of Music is Not a Genre, MXG. I don't even know if you can see the hand gestures anymore with this microphone in here, but you know, the audio is more important than the than the dancing that I do, especially if you're only just listening, which, by the way, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. If you are only listening, youtube.com slash at music is not a genre. You can see all of the episodes in my my lovely face or whatever you want to call it. Uh, we're going to get right into the topic as usual. New format for season six. And the topic is what it says on my shirt. The Wombats Mars Superior Electro Power Pop. And I know you see what I did there. Uh, yeah, so why the Wombats? First of all, who the Wombats? You may not even know who the Wombats are. And by the way, if you are watching, this creature next to me is not a Wombat. It's a bear. But I don't have a stuffed Wombat. So I went with something that was close enough. I also don't own a Wombat CD, and I'll explain why later. But we wanted to have something you know, visually appealing. So just pretend it's a freaking Wombat, all right? Just don't get on my case about that. And... Why am I talking about the Wombats? Well, there are a couple of reasons. Uh, I fell in love with the band in 2011 with their album, uh, The Wombats Proudly Present This Modern Glitch, better known as This Modern Glitch. It was, to me, it's what really broke them in the States. Uh, It was very critically acclaimed and all of that. Uh, Also, the album that came out last year, Fix Yourself, Not the World, I think is an amazing and incredible album and brought, brought them back into my life in a huge way. To the point where, just recently, just a few days ago as of this recording, we went to Philly and saw them at Union Transfer, and it was an amazing concert. So there are plenty of reasons. I also will say very quickly, uh, the reason why I subtitled it Mars Superior Electro Power Pop is, first of all, Wombat is a marsupial, and they actually sing about marsupials in one of their early albums. Fun stuff. Uh, Superior Electro Power Pop. You've heard me use Electro Power Pop before when I describe Wreck. That's how I describe Wreck. I am going to contend, and I'll explain again later, <clears throat> that, <clears throat> that yeah, that's me clearing my throat. The Wombat's music and uh, is, is as close to, to Wreck's brand of Electro Power Pop as any band out there. So there are plenty of reasons why I am talking about this amazing band. Who the hell are the Wombats? Let's start with that. They uh, started in uh, Liverpool in 2003. They're a trio, which I actually didn't know until I saw them live. Uh, Matthew Murphy on lead vocals, guitar, and keyboards. Uh, He's the principal songwriter as well. Um, He he is uh, actually married to an American woman. They live in L.A. and they have two daughters. Uh, Tord Overland Knudsen, uh, who plays bass, backing vocals, keyboards. He's from Norway, but obviously, uh, I guess they met in in school there, Liverpool Institute for the Performing Arts, and that's when they formed the band. And then Dan Haggis on drums, backing vocals and keyboards. You will notice I said keyboards for all three of them, and we'll talk about that later. So... They were in that crop of bands in the in the early mid two thousands, like Hot Hot Heat and Ra Ra Riot 
and this and even the strokes and the future heads who had this sort of like uh you know vaguely early 1980s post-punk flavor to them and then each of them will go in their different directions and or disband although i think uh many of them that i mentioned are still together and there were a ton more but that was a really vibrant even block parties kind of thrown in there it's a very vibrant time for that kind of like dry production early 80s sound revival post-punk revival and i would throw early wombats into into that case although they would certainly um develop beyond that not they needed to that's great music as well they released several eps uh, in 2004 2005 before their first full album girls boys and marsupials which was released only in japan in 2006 their uk debut uh might have been other countries i don't know in 2007 was the wombats proudly present a guide to love loss and desperation I'm going to say this now and then ditch it, which is that it's a fun thing of theirs because they're a fun band that they like to say before the beginning of many of their albums, the Wombats proudly present. And that's, I believe, officially part of the title, but it's always shortened to whatever the actual title is. So a guide to love, loss and desperation. Their first uh, hit in the UK was a song from that album called Backfire at the Disco. Followed by a bigger hit and early signature song, uh, Let's Dance to Joy Division, which they did at the concert, and I'll talk about the concert later. Their U.S. debut uh, was a Wombats EP in 2008, which was just a repackaging of the previous singles, etc. They've done many EPs and what I'll call maxi singles throughout their career, uh, and we'll talk about those when we do the discography. But as I mentioned earlier, it was the 2011 album, the uh, sorry, uh, the Wombats probably present this modern glitch that really uh, brought them to my attention. I think they had a big push for it in the U.S. Uh, critics wrote about it. Uh, there were some, you know, things on the, on the whatever was constituted radio at the time, you know. And the reason why I don't own any of their albums is because they are a post CD band for me, even though I existed at a time when I was still purchasing CDs. I didn't really know about them. I didn't know about them until after I had stopped, which I've always said, and I've said it for seasons, uh, it was 2011. There are a few CDs I own subsequent to that, like Prince's last CDs, things like that. But generally everything else was streaming, you know, in one form or another. Uh, and I'll talk about this modern glitch again during the discography. Uh, then in 2015, four years later, they released Glitterbug 2018, Beautiful People Will Ruin Your Life. And I don't know why, for some reason, I was in a different place then. And they sort of passed me by. And then more EPs, as I mentioned. And then last year, 2022, they released Fix Yourself, Not the World. And like I said, it rekindled my love for them. And uh, I'm going to talk about why I believe it's their best album. And then there's subsequent singles that happened uh, late last year and early this year, which are equally as good as the album itself. And uh, if you're on Patreon, patreon.com slash music is not a genre, you get the bonus video, which is me uh, acoustically performing uh, a song of the Wombats. Is this what it feels like to feel like this? It's their latest or close to their latest single. And a song of uh, Rex, a song of uh, mine, which is completely unreleased that uh, I'm not even going to talk about until later because uh, the name is blanking on me. That's how unreleased it is. I can't even freaking remember remember the name. Oh, it's called Twisting My Kite. And uh, I, you'll see how similar stylistically some of what Wreck does is to the Wombats. If you're on Patreon and you get to hear those two songs, that's the bonus video for this week. Let's talk about more live performance, which is the concert that we saw 
this past with an October second in Philadelphia, uh, Red Rum Club, I believe, also from Liverpool, opened for them, and they were they were a great band. They had a very, to me, circa nineteen eighty four eighty five sound to them, which is interesting because a lot of the revivalists over the last twenty years have really mined kind of late seventies, early eighties, but the mid eighties, you know, eventually everything comes back. Now you're hearing bands and, you know, artists in their 20s doing music that sounded like kind of alt rock or modern rock or college rock or whatever it was called from the mid 1980s. So that we thought that was interesting. And they had a trumpet, which was kind of cool. So solid opening act. Union Transfer was the name of the place we saw that. It used to be an old luggage transportation storage, whatever, from 1913, I think. And uh, it was a beautiful venue. Uh, really good sound, you know, as good sound as, you know, most live sound can be. And certainly, you know, the music of any, both of the bands didn't suffer. Now, this is what I learned uh, hearing the Wombats. First of all, their concert exceeded my expectations. 19 songs, tight, tight concert, uh, varied all throughout their career. Like, it was super, super tight and yet energetic as hell. It didn't feel canned, you know. It didn't feel too prepared, which is not easy to do when you're doing songs that are that tightly constructed and tightly performed and obviously tightly, you know, rehearsed and all of that. But what I learned, and here's me drinking, is that, like I said, they are a trio. They're a power trio. All these years, you listen to their albums and you're going to hear layers of keyboards and things like that. No idea that they were not only a power trio, but that it's the same three guys over the last 20 years, which is something I've talked about with, you know, bands like U2, uh, you know, the Beastie Boys when they were alive, you know, you know all of them, and, and how difficult it is to find bands who stay together that long and have the same personnel. And now the Wombats are one of them, which I find awesome. And based on their kind of onstage rapport, seems like they're doing great, you know, as far as sticking together. Uh, I know Matthew Murphy recently did some solo efforts in the last few years, but so do so do everybody these days. Uh, and there's an upcoming episode, an interview I'm doing with a guy who wrote a book about Eddie Van Halen. And they talked about people branching off and doing solo stuff, Sammy Hagar and whatever, how much more of a scandal that stuff was way back and how everybody does it now, and you know nobody really cares. In fact, it's generally encouraged. Uh, people of all ages were at the show. People in their twenties, straight up through thirties, forties, fifties, and it was interesting to see where they came in on loving the Wombats based on which songs they knew by heart. So some of the people closer to my age were really into like this modern glitch or even stuff before that, and they knew all those words, and that's what charged them up. And some other people were more into stuff from like Glitterbug, Beautiful People Will Ruin Your Life, and pretty much everybody was into the new album. And like I said, it just exceeded expectations. It was... I thought it would be kind of fun to see a band I like a lot live and they would do some songs I recognized, whatever. But the whole thing, they had live, I'm not live, they had live humans in wombat costumes on stage dancing, mimicking, playing a trumpet, like the whole thing, uh, which I don't know why I didn't expect that. I should have expected that. You name yourself after an animal. You figure that you're going to somehow incorporate that. Uh, that. So that was fun. Like everything about it was fun. And it... 
it's my thing now since last season that when I see a concert, I'm going to talk about that band if I haven't already talked about them before. And if I have, I'll mention the concert in some other capacity, you know, in some other context. But why wouldn't I want to talk about freaking the Wombats after everything that I just told you? Which means let's get into the discography. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well, I could make a run to the store, or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything factor meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I also listen to a lot of music, so having high-quality headphones and earbuds are absolutely critical to my day. Oh, and I have numerous pairs. In fact, I have a junk drawer of used devices that have bitten the dust, so I've tried them all. Recently, I was sent a pair of earbuds by Raycon, and the first thing I noticed was the cost. Uh, Looks like their products are about half the price of other premium brands. Okay, that's cool. And the reviews seem pretty stellar. Okay, checks that box. So I got my Raycon Everyday Earbuds, a nice packaging to open, and what I immediately noticed were the pack of ear tips for sizing. Uh, I'll tell you, I have small ear canals. Uh, I know, a flaw. So to see choices for the best fit, uh, especially while exercising, (laughs) oh yeah. And yes, they were immediately comfortable. Sound quality was great too. Plus I have three EQ options that I love because I like more bass in my music and less in the podcasts. Eight hours of playtime for the battery is great as well. Surround sound, noise canceling, and awareness mode all included. I think I'm in business, and I just realized I've had them in all day. Like I said, super comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Uh, I'm going to mention just briefly <clears throat> the EPs they put out earlier in their career, the Hangover Sessions in 04, the Daring Adventures of Sergeant Wimbo and his pet otter in 04, uh, number three in 05, the Wombats in 06, I mean, I'm sorry, again in 05, 
And then I think, uh, yeah, and then the EPs was stuff that would end up on other albums or B-sides of singles and things like that. So I'm not going to like super dive into them. So let's get into the first album, that Japanese album. Uh, Just to mention it, Girls, Boys, and Marsupials, uh, those songs, again, would end up on subsequent albums released in the UK and the EP in the US or on B-sides and things like that. So I'm not even going to like mention, you know, uh, what was on there because I'm going to get to that material. Uh, then in 07, they released an EP again, only in Japan called the Wombats go pop, pop, pop. Uh, previous singles, there was a radio session on there. There was a demo. There was a remix of something and that's key because they would do a, they, they have done a ton of remixes straight through to this year of their songs. And uh, many of them are super interesting and dynamic. That same year, they released uh, their debut album in the Western world, a, a Guide to Love, Loss, and Desperation. And they were still very heavily, in the sound-wise, in the world of post-punk indie rock, with, but with just a little smush of electro on this album. Uh, some of the songs on there, uh, the the opening is sort of an opening, like shorty uh, acapella, Tales of Girls, Boys, and Marsupials. They did that at the concert, a snippet of it, to uh, enter into the next song, which was Kill the Director. But before I get there, I want to mention that it's that sounds a lot like what the Future Heads have done, not only on their actual albums, but on that one album that was all acapella. So there must have been something going on in Britain at the time where those where several bands felt like throwing some acapella multi-harmony thing was was a thing to do. And it's really fun how it's layered and all of that stuff. Leads into the second track, Kill the Director, which they also did at the uh, concert. And it's the, such a 2000s song when you hear it. Uh, you know, the chorus is, if this is the DJ... Uh, no, wait. Oh, God, I don't remember. Um, oh, if this is a rom-com, kill the director. And then there's a whole thing where all the crowd was chanting, this is no Bridget Jones, because that's part of the lyric. And, you know, syncopated guitars. Like, it really had a hot, hot heat sound to me um, in, in, in all those other bands, and, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, they did Moving to New York, which was great at the concert. Few more songs on there on that album. We get down to track eight, "Let's Dance to Joy Division," which was their uh, not first hit, but first big hit, and and for some reason is called their signature song. Now, listen, I get some of what I talk about from Wikipedia and some from other sources. I don't know who determined that that, and maybe in Britain that was their signature song. And I know that the crowd loved it, and I enjoyed it. But they've come out with so many great things since then that okay, fine, you know. Uh, including on the same album, Backfire at the Disco, which was, again, their first hit, and a song I actually like even more than Let's Dance to Joy Division. And those are kind of the highlights for me from that first uh, Western World album, let's say, their first album proper. They'd usually call that their debut, even though they released things before. And then the following year in 08, they released the Wombats EP in U.S., to help expose them to the U.S., stuff from the previous album, so no need to really go over that. Which brings me to one thing before I mention this next album, and that is they're a touring band. They like touring. They've been touring. They're touring now. They're in Australia, actually, and they are posting online. Uh, look for them, you know, on the various forums and, you know, socials and stuff like that. They do great work, you know, uh, and continue at it. 
whatever else is going on in their lives, they're really consistent with it, which I love. <clears throat> and that brings me to the entree into the world of Wombats for me, which is this modern glitch from 2011. It must have been reviewed in like Rolling Stone or somewhere, or there was a song that I heard. I doubt that was the case because I, at that time I wasn't really listening to you know, radio. <clears throat> but it's when I discovered them, and I would consider this modern glitch their first great album. They've had great songs before then, subsequent, but it was really their first great album. There's not a single weak song. It's cohesive. It, it's, it's, a, it's a statement, you know, in its own way. It has more of a kind of an epic emotional sound than the previous post-punk album, although there's a lot of post-punk on there. There's, there's a bit more seriousness with the lyrics, more maybe introspective, but again, a lot of playfulness too. Um, but I think, yeah, like more interpersonal lyrics and it's more layered sonically, which is really the direction they'd end up in pretty much throughout the rest of their career so far at any rate, other than their acoustic album, which I'll mention later. I mean, again, like I said, I love all the songs in this album, but I am going to mention some highlights for me, starting with tracks uh, one through four, Our Perfect Disease. Uh, Tokyo, Vampires and Wolves, they did at the concert, freaking awesome. Jump Into the Fog, which was, I believe, the one song from the album that charted in the U.S., uh, weird that is only that one, but you could hear the kind of ambient, you know, alt rock sound that was a lot of was going on that, that way with like Silver Sun pickups and bands like that. Uh, you know, I forget the other band that, that always comes to mind and then doesn't from around that time, you could see why it was a hit. Uh, but my favorite song on this album other than Tokyo has always been anti, uh, D which, you know, it's a, uh, please allow me to be your antidepressant. I can I am prescribed as easily as any decongestant or something like that. Uh, there's something about the lyrics there. I really resonated. They resonated with me. Track six, uh, five is less than I dreamt. Track six is techno fan. Excellent. <clears throat> they did it at the concert. Loved it. 1996. Also, they did excellent. Walking disasters. Also, excellent. And uh, then girls, fast cars. And the last track is uh, Schumacher, the champagne, which is just fun. And I believe they, uh, oh no, then, and then that's, yeah, that's it. Followed by the same year by this acoustic glitch, which was a two song EP songs from, you know, this modern glitch, but acoustic. And they then released that year, our perfect disease EP, which was a digital download as well as the acoustic glitch. You know, I talked about how there was that era when bands were offering certain ones as only digital downloads. And now that people don't generally download music anymore, it's all just released on streaming, as far as I know. Um, So, yeah, and then a few years would pass. Every three or four years, they released something new. And the next one was an album called uh, Glitterbug from 2015. For some reason, this passed me by. I don't know if it was because four years had passed, a lot had changed in my life, I was listening to something, I don't know. But I will say this, it is the uh, it was more electro than any previous album they had done. They really went more heavily into the electro. And it shows their connection to the love of remixes and dance music and you know dance rock and we're, I'm going to talk a lot about dance rock in an upcoming episode a couple of weeks from now on Depeche Mode and New Order and how they were kind of the in many ways the progenitors of, of dance rock 
And um, there were bands in the 80s that used to say that, that, you know, that dance was the new rock and whatever. Well, you put the two together. It's always been one of my favorite types of music is rock mixed with dance or rock mixed with electro. It's why Rec does a lot of that and, and uh, you know, beyond that. But it's a big part of what I do. And it's the huge part of what the Wombats do. And it's partly why their concerts are so fun. For some reason, many critics say Glitterbug is their best album to date. I find it's very good. It is not in my top two, uh, but then they only only had, I believe, five proper albums. Uh, but it, it, you know, I will say this: listening it, listening to it uh, retroactively or whatever, I like it a lot more than I probably did in 2015. If I heard it at all, I might have heard a couple of songs from it and have been like, "Oh, this is going." You know, I wanted more of the rock mixed with the electro and they went more electro and boy I'm really parsing there so I gave it more breath and uh, I found that there were some songs on here that I really really enjoy in particular Give Me a Try uh, and Greek Tragedy I also like Your Body is a Weapon great song and uh, Pink Lemonade which was great at the concert and they had a lot of fun with uh, following that, in the same year, they released a B-Sides EP, Glitterbug B-Sides, um, that's in 2015. So that's where they were then. <clears throat> um, then in 2018, they released an album called uh, Beautiful People Will Ruin Your Life, which was, to me, for some reason, I don't know why, I guess because they, you know, they like to, you know, like a, like any good band does, they like to switch up their sound and add new things and kind of change the balance of things like you're cooking, you know, and it was more engaging to me than uh, Glitterbug. Uh, also interesting, more songwriting collaborations, Matthew Murphy kind of branching out and collaborating more with people within the band, without the band. And to me, it it was this album, Beautiful People Will Ruin Your Life, found a way to hold on to the electro developments of Glitterbug, but then reintroduce more of that kind of live post-punk dynamic from from their earlier albums, and even some of the dark epic of of uh, you know this modern glitch. In a way, and I'm not saying this because it's my top album of theirs. It's a great album, great songs, and then there's songs on there that I think. The reason why I'm going to say this, if you're going to start anywhere, start with beautiful people will ruin your life because I think it's that sweet spot of where they were, where they before then, where they were then and where they were going and is a great representation of them on the whole as an electro power pop band. Interesting fact, no idea if they call themselves that or not. Probably not because most bands and artists don't like to label themselves at all. And I completely understand that. But I'm going to state right here that they're an electro power pop band. And I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, more of kind of the power pop stuff and the history of that when we pass through the discography. Uh, some some songs from this album, many of which they did uh, at the concert. In fact, the ones I'm mentioning, they all did at the concert. Cheetah Tongue, excellent freaking opening track. Lemon to a Knife Fight, awesome. Turn was a big hit for them, and, and they they killed it live. Lethal Combination, uh, Matthew Murphy did as a, an acoustic solo uh, version there at the concert, which was really good. And then the end of the album is I Don't Know Why I Like You, But I Do, which is a favorite of Catherine's and really well done live. 
Uh, and then uh, they released a couple of years after that. Uh, or no, I believe it was the, yeah, one year after that, in 2019, they released BZ Sides 2003 to 2017 in rough chronological order. Love the title. And it was compilation as described. It was B-Sides and other, you know, odds and sods, as they say. Uh, and I, And this is where I'm going to take a pause uh, because it looks like we're we're you know running. This may not be a freaking hour long episode. Who knows? I I can't predict it. But this is a perfect time to take a break before I get to this next section here, which is going to lead into uh, the last couple of releases I'm talking about, and uh, the talk further on Power Pop and the featured song conclusions, questions, and talk about the bonus episode. So um, I'll be right back. Hey, so I was going to do the usual and just list all of the links that I'd love for you to check out, but I realized that everything you need to know and everywhere you need to go is at nickdematio.com. That really is the hub. I list all the links in every episode just in case, but nickdematio.com is where I put everything that I do. If you want to know more about this podcast, whether it's the audio version or the YouTube version at youtube.com slash app music is not a genre or wherever else the podcast shows up, or if you want to support the podcast at patreon.com slash music is not a genre just go to nickdematio.com it's all there if you want to check out my full discography of original music and covers for my band rec rec and beyond it's at nickdematio.com including all the streaming and social links for wherever you listen to music and wherever you check out your sosh uh, my acting clips are there, my voiceover clips are there, graphic design, my blog, and most especially, it's the best place to contact me. If you go to nickdomadio.com slash contact or just hit the contact is on every single page, you can send me a note, say hello, ask me any questions you'd like, you get a newsletter a few times a month, and if you have a project of your own and need work done for it, whether it's audio editing or music or voiceover or graphic design or if you have an event and you need live music go to nickdomadio.com contact me say hello let me know what you need i'd love to hear from you thanks for listening let's get back to the show and we're back how have you been enjoying that mid roll you know that's the lingo uh that the whatever you call it the ad that i put together is it working for you uh i find that it's a much better place to put it than at the beginning so I'd love your feedback on it, though, because, um, you know, things are constantly morphing around here and there's always a way to modify. And I'm sure at some point I'll change it anyway, whether you feedback or not. Let's get back into the topic. Uh, That is after 2019 and that kind of BZ sides, which I honestly I will say I haven't listened to. And I and I need to because it's one of the few things of theirs that I haven't heard. Uh, They took their typical you know three four years to release another album but in between matthew murphy put together a side project called love fame tragedy and released a couple of eps in 2019 2020 and then a full album in 2020 called wherever i go i want to leave um it was it's much more electro than even Glitterbug, honestly or anything that the wombats have done Think of side projects like Chris Cornell and people like that where they're taking uh, the the dynamics of the band that they're in that they're known for but they're ma- and making it more intimate and more singer-songwritery in a way. Although, again, 
sound wise it goes you know in places other than just acoustic as i said it's more electro some of the songs i like from uh that album which i just recently heard uh my cheating heart hardcore everything affects me now which is my favorite from wherever i go i want to leave everything affects me now start with that one you take the fun out of everything is a great club song uh and you know they're always going to do something that's a club song which i love and here's the reason why i took the break when i did because it gets me to their uh most recent full album from 2022 called Fix Yourself Not the World. When I listen to new material from bands I have liked in the past, especially if there have been times when that band has released an album that I enjoyed but was underwhelmed by, let's say, I always go in with a little trepidation. But like with the not most recent Chili Peppers, but the one before that, like with Eddie Better's solo album and a few others I've mentioned recently, this album from the get-go cap- captured me, gripped me, it blew me away. And every time I've heard it, that continues to happen because as with good songwriting and good production, there are layers there that, that bear fruit if you listen more. I'm going to say that screw whatever the critics say and screw even my own past with this modern glitch. Fix Yourself, Not the World from 2022 is their best album. And to be to have been around 20 years and to, to be doing your best work is something that I take pride in and that I look for in bands who aren't resting on their laurels or on their previous successes, who are always searching for more and new and better. And they've done that with this album. Every element of what they've done is on this album. There's not one weak song. There's high energy throughout, especially in the first like seven or eight songs. It's just, just, just nonstop. Great production and arrangements. Great inventiveness. Um, and, and all catchy songs. It is the ultimate I think one of the most ultimate, you know, the Mars superior electro power pop example out there in today's world. And when we talk about the brief history of the rest of electro power pop, you'll see why that is so significant and why it's so vital, I think, to music and to and to me in particular, because there's all kinds of power pop and uh, electro power pop is the one I talk about when I talk about rec simply because it is rock music. That's the power with pop songs. That's the pop with electronic elements woven throughout to varying degrees, sometimes way more, sometimes way less electro power pop, very specific kind of power pop. Again, more collaboration on this album writing wise, which is very cool. And most of the songs in that first, uh, you know, string that I mentioned, the opening seven or eight, which is more than half of the album they did at the concert and were as dynamic. And it was so cool to see, first of all, to go back to the concert, there was Matthew Murphy, uh, stage right, so my my left, doing guitar, the bass player on the right, drummer in the back. That's it. I expected more people to come out. They didn't. They're a trio. But at each station, there was a keyboard as well. And each of the three people played keyboards at a certain point, sometimes switching between their instruments in the same song. One time, or more than once, Matthew Murphy would start on one guitar, 
do a keyboard at some point, switch to another guitar for another part of the song. There were there was all and it was seamless. You know, it it was never like oops, too like like obviously they've been doing it over and over, but it was amazing the the kind of juggling they were doing with the different instruments they were playing and the, and I'm always amazed when a drummer can play keyboard along with the drums. Uh our drummer in Prefab 4 is actually going to be doing that in our in our concert series in Florida upcoming in November and I'm excited for that because I just love the whole concept. And I mean, I've, I've done it with rec where I, and I've done it with prefab where I'll be playing whatever instrument it is, whether it's guitar or bass and then switch to keys. There have been times where I've played bass and keys at the same time because you can hammer on with a bass and play keys, you know, uh, and, and actually do it simultaneously. They did a little that, but it was mostly just switching, which was incredible to me. And I mentioned that because this is an album that is equal parts uh, rock and electro and all uh, pop as far as I'm, but in a good, in a good way. You know, I, I, you know, take pride in cra- crafting songs, carefully written songs that have uh, connection and emotion to them and dynamism. And that so do the Wombats flip me upside down as the opener. This car drives all by itself uh, is a great second freaking track. If you ever leave, I'm coming with you as I think there's first single off of this. I could be wrong. Great single. Uh, and a great sing along. Ready for the high is a is a great kind of downbeat uh, change up there. So is Method to the Madness. I'm gonna say out of the 19 songs they did at the concert, and surprisingly so because there are other songs I even like more than this. Method to the Madness blew me away the most live because it has this dynamic of starting very low key, intimate. There's more electric electronics in there but a lot like a great baseline amazing freaking baseline and then it opens up at the end into this like pounding pounding rock and when you hear it live it just takes you it just takes you uh people don't change people time does i love the lyrics to that i love the song everything i love is going to die i also love the lyrics and the song and they did a great version of that uh live uh, work is easy, life is hard, wildfire, don't poke the bear, worry, and fix yourself, then the world are all great songs This to, to round out this album. Once you've listened, if you've never heard The Wombats, start with Beautiful People Will Ruin Your Life. Maybe go back then to this modern glitch to see, you know, partly where they came from. But but end or get soon get to Fix Yourself, Not the World, because it's just a freaking amazing album it makes me excited for what's coming next and what came next is a song is a single it's a six song ep there comes another ep in late 2022 called is this what it feels like to feel like this that was their next single not on the album and it is absolutely one of my all-time favorite songs of theirs from all their 20 years and the fact that it's the kind of almost the newest is freaking amazing to, to me that this is the top of their game it's also one of two songs I am going to be performing for the bonus episode of patreon.com slash music is not a genre. Once it's up, I will include the link here. I'm going to be doing acoustic version of is this what it feels like to feel like this and Rex unreleased, not even finished recording song, a twisting my kite. You'll, you'll hear the similarities and the differences and uh, you, you know, you get a little live music. So this was a six song EP <clears throat> the song is, is this what it feels like to feel like this killed at the concert so great to sing along to in 2023 which was the last 
thing that they've released so far. They they did a sick uh, the uh, sorry they did remixes, and oh I'm sorry no on that I don't know whatever file there were remixes that came later. The six song EP was I think my mind has made its mind up. Dressed to kill demon which I really like the title track I love 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 same old damage great song good idea at the time really fun too. That was the 2022 EP. In 2023, let me make sure I get it straight, they released remixes of some of those songs. And uh, like I said, they love remixes. A lot of British and actually European bands love to do remixes. And uh, even if you're a band that is straight up rock, you will find that band does remixes. And I think that's cool because it's something that used to happen a lot more in the uh, States, in the 80s, 90s especially, uh, there have been artists doing remixed cover versions of other people's music in the last 25 years or more that that's sort of taken over from there. But for an the artists themselves to, you know, uh, collaborate and do a remix with a DJ or producer or whatever is not something that happens as often in the States as it does with all kinds of bands and music in the, in Britain in particular and other places. So, that's the discography. The conclusions I have for this band are, are, are this. American Criminal is a new true crime podcast from the studio behind American Scandal and American History Tellers. Every week, you'll fall deeper into the riveting stories of the country's most clever, craven, and cruel criminals. Fraud, theft, murder, and worse. Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the whole story until now. The debut season tackles one of the most sensational cases of the 20th century, the Menendez murders. In 1989, young Lyle and Eric Menendez brutally shot their own parents. Prosecutors and the press said it was a multi-million dollar inheritance that led two greedy rich kids to murder. But the picture-perfect facade this Hollywood family built hid troubling abuse. Could these teenagers have been driven to kill? Or was it even in self-defense? Listen now. Go to AmericanCriminal.com or search for and follow American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Why are they... Uh, I t- explain why they're electro-power pop because they're combining elements of electronic music, uh, the powerful you know, rock, just rock in general, and live instruments, and pop songwriting and, and hooks and things like that. Why are they one of the best... I'm going to say this. Matthew Murphy should be hailed as one of the greatest modern song writers. You know, he's got a quirky uh, approach to it. And I won't I won't say literary literary in a certain way, uh, you know, sometimes arch, but often personal as well. And his lyrics are freaking impeccable and surprising, often surprising, but always fit. There's some structural and chordal daring here and there. And the production is just right spot the frick on pretty much all the time for, for their entire career, which is why they're and, and the other two guys are contributing as much and more even than they did before as far as songwriting. And, and that makes them one of the strongest and best, I think, power pop bands and particular electro power pop bands in history. And we're we're, we're living it right now. So what is that? Like, what is the history of that? If you think of bands like Squeeze, The Cars, The Bangles, in particular, start with those three. 
electro power pop. You think of those bands and you think pop songs, but they are rock bands, but they have keyboards and synths and things like that. The cars, huge, you know. If you don't know Squeeze, get to know them. Same thing. And the Bangles constantly had something going on there with electronics and stuff like that and they were clearly like a post-punk power pop band some of they might be giants is also electro power pop some of matthew sweet he doesn't do a lot of electro but when he does you know where you get love is a song that you know comes to mind some of fountains of wayne veered into electro power pop in particular they are all power pop all the time in one or more ways than one and blur very electro power pop as well and so many more and i won't go into all of them and certainly won't get into all the power pop but that's sort of a brief history of where all that comes from and you know i talk about it a lot uh, a good uh, a, a colleague of mine who i've worked with before and will work with again who writes uh power pop for his band joy buzzer look them up uh, loves fountains as wayne as well we might do some cover band stuff of them at some point in the future but it's a genre i think that is broader obviously than anything that a genre name can hold but is worth exploring if you're into like i said power you know rock music pop music electronic music it's it's a great combination which honestly uh oh so how do they compare to 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 wreck why do i keep saying that the music I do for Wreck has gone to a lot of places, but Wreck's debut album, Parts and Labor, was electro power pop in very similar ways to the Wombats. It veers a little bit more alt rock than post punk. And there are other elements in there that have more kind of jangly rock and things like that that they don't necessarily do, but no, no two bands are alike, but you can hear that crossover. You can hear it big time on Rex distance to empty. Uh, you can hear it on uh, Rex, the sunshine seminar. You hear a little bit of it in the weird objective, but you're going to hear a lot more of it in Rex upcoming album, kite to Camden, which is coming out next year, 2024. And you'll hear some singles from that. And again, bonus video you'll you'll hear an acoustic version of one of those upcoming singles and so uh, you know when you're an artist that not a lot of people know and sometimes this is on the web like cd baby and websites like that ask you what artist do you sound like well there's a reason nobody knows you like oh well you sound like beck like when i did the beck episode or whoever else or the beatles or different things i often put the wombats because as far as bands that are making great music now uh, and are, you know, closer, you know, I mean, they're, these guys are late thirties now, early forties, whatever, but they're younger than the Beatles, let's say, or even back, uh, the Wombats really come the closest to what, uh, Rec does. And if you've listened to Rec, you know that, that I also do, um, you know, hip hop and funkier stuff and, and more kind of downbeat ambient stuff and things like that, that Wombats don't really do, but that's what makes Rec Rec and the Wombats, the Wombats. And so the song that I've chosen to feature at the end of this episode, Cup Coming Soon, is a song that is none of those. It's a song that I, uh, released before Rec even existed on an album called Listen You People, which is now, for the first time, streaming everywhere. It was never issued 
streaming because it predates that. And I, and I had gone on to wreck and left uh, Nick behind. I used to just call myself Nick, capital N-I-C-K, all of capital. Uh, and, and so I didn't release some of these previous albums. I just released certain singles from them. Uh, but Listen You People is now streaming everywhere. So be, please go find it. And the song that I'm featuring from that is a song called Sick, which is electro power pop and it hits you from the very beginning there's really almost no reason to describe the song because if i've already described electro power pop then i've already described this song it's and it shows that i was on this wavelength of electro power pop you know certainly prior to the wombats even existing back when uh fountains of wayne and matthew sweet were you know doing you know all their music and being influenced by bands like the Cars and Squeeze and and the Bangles and stuff like that. And it was really, to me, an early kind of uh, amalgam and triumph of what would eventually become part of Wreck's sound, but before Wreck even existed. And it has sort of, it has a dry uh, delivery, lyrics, cynic, a little cynical, humorous, very much like a lot of what the Wombat's lyrics are. So I think it's a kind of a perfect companion uh, to a uh, song to feature at the end of this episode. But as you know, and that'll come up soon, there's more than that because at patreon.com slash music is not a genre. The bonus video for this episode is me performing uh, the, is this what it feels like to feel like this from the Wombats and Rex never before heard song uh, Twisting My Kite. So uh, check that out. I'll put the link below. Thank you, as always, for watching and listening. My questions to you for this episode are, can you picture what an actual wombat looks like? It's kind of like this bear over here, but not quite. It's a marsupial, as I said, and I believe Australian. I don't know. But uh, I can picture it now more than I looked it up and put it in my graphic for this episode. Can you imagine what the wombats sound like based on what I have described? And I don't care if you can or not, because you should just go listen to them, period. And if you haven't heard them, yes, if you have, what do you like about them? What What's something about them that you really like? Those are the questions I leave you with. Again, thank you for being here with me, and I'll talk to you next week. Love. Maybe it's the stomach flu 
Still I feel achieve the American dream, the big house, the happy family, the money. 911, Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shot? Would they shot? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship. The studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, the Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.